You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome, everybody. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40, our Soonerscoop.com recruiting podcast. We're joined by uh, Josh McQuistian as well as Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall. So we got the whole group here. And, uh, guys, I know a lot of recruiting stuff going on. we got the five-star challenge coming up this week. But uh, Eddie and, and, and Josh, you guys were out on the road Last week, uh, a little bit, I think the week before that even, you had the uh, Mustang team camp. You guys were all over uh, high schools and everywhere. So uh, let's let's just start off with where you guys began uh, your road trip this year in the spring. I mean, I, I think the best place to start would probably be with uh, the, the, the first stop that we made, or the first day that we uh, went on the road, uh, going to uh, Collinsville and then uh, heading over to uh, Tulsa Union, uh, two of the the better, probably better programs in the state. Uh, but I mean, Josh, where do you want to start? We can we can start with uh, Collinsville if we want. When starting with uh, Levi Draper and uh, the two Boomer brothers. Yeah, you know, I I think it's hard to not start anywhere else just because of obviously with Levi Draper and Oklahoma commitment, a rivals two fifty guy. You know, really one of the uh, top handful of guys in the state. And then you throw in Grayson Boomer that looks like maybe you know that. You know, that that kind of next caliber of guy. I mean, Boomer looks like a potential 100 guy, you know, and it's so early. He's played very little varsity ball. You don't want to get too crazy about it, but he's definitely a guy that has some elite potential. And, you know, at, Eddie and I saw him. I mean, he's every bit of the 6'5", 6'6", 230 pounds he's listed at. And then he took off his helmet to take a picture, and he's a baby. I mean, like, you, you can see it in his face. Uh, the kid can't drive yet and already has five offers, and it's just going to go nothing but crazier for him. So, yeah, I mean, you start there. Like Eddie said, we went over to Wag- Wagner and saw Nakia Jones, who's a really promising 2018 wide receiver. Uh, then you go to Union, and we were a little unlucky. Trey Brown had pulled a hamstring the day we were there. But you see some of their young talent with guys like uh, Jordan Kelly, uh, Adrian Wilson, and C.J. Moore. They're two wide receivers. Uh, that first day was really good. I mean, we, we seem to get not only uh, good content, but, you know, see guys doing good things. And you could kind of tell that, again, I mean, you know, we've talked about it for a while, but the 2018 and now it's starting to look like 2019 as well. Uh, classes in state are, are really pretty special. You know, it's crazy. We we left, I think we left uh, Tulsa Union that day thinking, 
there's a possibility that we had just seen the 4A, 5A, and 6A state champion in consecutive, uh, I guess, in consecutive stops on that first day. And, uh, you know, the union was really interesting just as far as it looks like they're getting ready to kind of maybe if Jinx, I, I hate to say Jinx is dropping off, but uh, maybe union is getting ready to go on one of those big runs that, that Jinx has just been on with, uh, with all the young talent they have up there. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at it, Union went for four years, and then they handed over and Jinx did the same thing. And it kind of feels like you're about to see a turn because, you know, I, I went and saw uh, – Eddie didn't get to come with me to Jinx, but seeing Jinx and seeing Union, don't you know, don't get me wrong, Jinx is going to be very, very good. That, that's what they do. But seeing the major Division One talent that Union has, I mean, not just in the you know three or four guys we talk about. Patrick Fields is another guy, 2018 safety that just picked up a Tulsa offer. Uh, they've got legitimately four, five, six guys in that junior class that are Division One prospects. And we even saw a member of the 2019 class. They've got a 6'3", 220-pound uh, defensive end with – you know, we would be remiss not to acknowledge, Eddie, the first name of Murdoch. Um, yes, yes. So de- definitely his, a guy that we're going to keep an eye on, Murdoch? too. So yes. his first name is Murdoch. I think it's like Murdoch Sam or Murdoch. It's, a, it's something It's S. a badass football blank name. out on it. But yeah, yeah. Shows you the power of how awesome Murdoch is. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if Union can rip off two or three in a row here with some of the guys they have. Josh, I'm kind of interested uh, – You've gotten a look at Jeffrey Mead in his younger days. How does C.J. Moore compare when you saw him as somebody uh, uh, at, at the same stage in their career, big, tall, lanky receiver at Union? It's kind of amazing that someone could be less physically imposing than C.J. Moore right now, but that's where Jeff Mead was. I mean, Jeff Mead, and Eddie can back me up on this, like for every bit that he was the great interview, he was a guy that was just so so skinny. I mean, like – you know, we always talk about the expression, oh, he's a power forward playing football. Jeff Mead wanted to be a power forward. Like, I mean, that's how lean he was. He was so skinny, and he really, you know, obviously still kind of is. But C.J. Moore's a little, not quite as tall, a little more compact. I think probably has a frame that you see carrying, you know, 200, 210 pounds, a little easier than you saw it with Jeff. You knew that was a long way down the line with Jeff. But with C.J., I, I I like him a little better as a prospect. I think he has a little more suddenness, a little more explosion. You know, when you watch him kind of start to separate from corners after the catch. So I, I like CJ a lot, but I kind of had hoped maybe he'd bulked up and put on a little weight since we saw him last spring, and he really just hasn't so far. I guess uh, we can move on to uh, the uh, second day, and maybe I guess we'll start with uh, Booger T. Washington and, um, you know, a guy that we kind of walked out of there thinking was was maybe the uh, the next big thing in the uh, 2019 class along with Seth or uh, Grayson Boomer. Uh, and that would be uh, Daxton Hill, a uh, the little brother of Justice Hill, a uh, 2016 Oklahoma State signee. And uh, Josh, I mean, we sat there and we're just pretty amazed with what uh Daxton brought to the table even though he he you said that I think he played a little bit as a freshman for Booker T but certainly a guy that is uh going to uh, get a lot of uh, attention here as he starts his varsity high school career going into his sophomore year oh you're absolutely right I mean this is a guy that he's that next in line of the you know uh Will Sunderland Stephen Parker that you know Oklahoma is starting to develop a reputation for producing those really high-end level safeties, and that's that's Daxton Hill. I mean, this is a guy, like Eddie said, 
you walk out, you know, you see him on the field and you think, wow, that's that's an amazing looking athlete. That's what it's supposed to look like. And then you watch him and he's a, a kid just finish, finishing his freshman year of high school and watching him move around and his ability to close on things. And he's got arms that are just, you know, I always use the expression, you can scratch his knees without bending over. But that's what it looks like. He's so long in every way you that, that's good in the way you want. So I, I don't, you know, the day that we were there, uh, Eddie and I showed up. Mike Stoops had been there a little before we were and left a little bit before we got out of there. But I, I don't think there's any question that OU is very aware of Daxton Hill, and it wouldn't shock me. If uh, he picks up an offer, maybe after three, four games of this sophomore season, and then uh, I guess uh, let's just keep going on. We'll. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you guys are talking about 2019 guys. I'll give you somebody that uh, Carrie and I saw early on in the spring tour stuff when we were uh, down at Norman North. Uh, you may know if you know Cade Mashburn, the uh, linebacker there at North, but he has a younger brother, Cole Mashburn, the 2019 guy who is already bigger than Cade. He was what at least. Six two, six three, easy carry, pushing what two hundred? Yeah, I mean he is. He's every bit. He's probably just a hair taller than than Cade is. My chair goes bad. That was almost a. That was almost a disaster right there. All the time. Um, yeah, my chair just falls out. Um, yeah, they haven't played defensive line. They think he's an off more of a, a, a the outside linebacker, maybe even an inside linebacker, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just looking at him, you can't help but being that he's a sophomore, wonder what he could be. And I think, I think you know, it's from what I've talked to, like JD that trains him a little bit. He kind of he kind of trains like a sophomore. I mean, he's not really taking it as seriously as Cade does. He hasn't really hit that that plateau yet, where Cade is just a really hard worker all the time. Uh, and I know there are questions about how big can Cade get. There's no question that Cole can get as probably as big as he wants. He just seems like a guy that's going to be able to put on whatever mass he wants to put on. Yeah, and they already have schools coming in through there, uh, looking at Cole early on, and uh, I think that that's somebody that once he really starts to get to play his position at linebacker, they have him playing down the line now. But once you see him at that size, once he's able to move in space the way he can move, I mean, he he's somebody that uh, will be getting a bunch of offers from this region before it's all said and done. Move. I guess day three. I guess brought us to uh, to uh, a, a couple places. Actually, we started out at Choctaw at the team camp. Went down to uh, hit the Noble uh, team camp, and uh, Shawnee was in action. Creed Humphrey, an OU offer, wasn't going that day. Uh, Josh, you were able to kind of talk with him just a little bit, and uh, I don't think I don't know if anything any new revelations came out of that. But I guess we'll start with the, the Choctaw team camp and uh, a 2018 wide receiver that uh, that might be one of the better players in that very talented uh, 2018 class out of Oklahoma in uh, Sean Shaw, a wide receiver. And then uh, I guess we can kind of work our way into the Mustang team camp because we ended our day day three at Southmore and we also saw Southmore at the uh, Mustang team camp. So uh, kind of just starting with Sean Shaw, what were, was that the first time that you had actually seen? I guess we saw him at the Rivals camp in uh, Dallas, but other than that, Josh, that was your second time to see him in person. Uh, physically, he he's got it all right there. He's he's a pretty talented kid in uh, in that 2018 class, and certainly a class that a lot of people think can be one of the better groups to come out of Oklahoma. Oh yeah, you know, and he's a guy that I know. Talking to some of our 
rivals, regional and national guys that I think really, I, I think we all kind of accept maybe Bray Walker stands apart from everybody a little bit, especially, you know, we'll go into what we saw at the Mustang team camp. But I, I think everyone, you know, just a six, seven, 300 pound left tackles, almost a different thing. And in that next group, Sean Shaw is rivals, most highly rated guy in the state of Oklahoma right now, whether uh, you're talking 2017 or 2018. So he is a very high-level guy in the eyes of rivals, and you see why. I mean, he's a guy I kind of talked about with C.J. Moore, and they're really, to me, the two clear-cut um, receivers right now. And it's a really good in-state receiver group, but they're kind of the two that I think you can kind of go back and forth on of who your personal preference is. But with Shaw, you see such good control of his body. His feet are very good for a guy his size. In a lot of ways, he reminds me more of Meade than uh, maybe C.J. Moore does, although he's much more physically developed than Jeff was at the same time. Uh, kind of the same deal. And like He's very good in the air. He high points very naturally and has body control that's just weird for a kid his age. I mean, he can do some things in the air that just don't look – natural and don't look you know it seems like and i guess it's maybe me being old now it looks like i would pull a muscle trying to do any of that but uh he, he really is just an impressive guy to watch and um you know you, you talked a little bit about going from there down to the uh, choctaw camp and or excuse me the noble camp and didn't get a chance to, uh, to see creed humphrey go but had a chance to talk with him there for a while uh some of the news you know has kind of come out in the time since but Creed Humphrey, you know, has now kind of come out and sounds like he's going to make a decision this month. I don't think there's a set date. I think he is expected to be at Texas A&M uh, actually this weekend, and it wouldn't shock me if after that point he comes to a decision here fairly soon. I'm kind of expecting middle, later in the month, which makes sense. I've got a vacation coming, so Oklahoma <laughs> fans can cross their hands, uh, cross their fingers that that'll come together but yeah uh creed you know looks good he, he's a guy that I, he's grown a little bit since the last time i saw him he's right in that 6'4 290 pound range i mean he's he's the kind of center bill beatenbow's looking for uh to get away from some of those guys like eichard and darlington that were maybe a little undersized and had trouble with the bigger kind of run stuffing nose tackles they faced in some of the uh, the bigger bowl games of recent years. I got to tell you, I, I saw Creed Humphrey out of camp, and it's the first time I'd seen him in person. I was shocked by, I mean, you see photos of him, and, and you see a little bit kind of like you think, oh, he's kind of got that face, like that baby fat face. And he just completely blew me away just as how physical he looks just standing still. Oh, he's an impressive kid. Like he's got a, a wide, solid body. He's sometimes you see kids out there and you realize they're gonna need some work in the weight room to um, solidify themselves, and that's not the case for Creed. That is a wide, strong human being for a high school kid. There's your uncomfortable talk of the day. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's definitely a uh, a theme developing, and I think uh, I mean Carrie and I were talking on the team podcast yesterday just about how much uh, Logan Robertson has, has transformed his body. But he's kind of the, almost the same build, of, I think, a little bit as Creed is. He's he's just a big, thick kid. Logie had a way to go. I mean, he, yeah. was, just, he was just misshapen. <laughs> I'm misshapen, and I don't I mean, see I'm any... I mean, I'm misshapen, too, but I'm not playing football yeah, for Oklahoma. I, I don't see that changing in the and, near future for and myself. He, he was one of those kids that knew, like, okay, I'm really going to change. And you, I, Bob, going back to... Bob talking about him on signing day, just talking about because he'd been there a little bit with him, that, that or he hadn't been there with him, but he knew he was coming. Or had, I'm trying to think, signing day, yes, he would have 
already been enrolled for, for like, like a couple yeah, days, a couple of weeks or something, or a couple of weeks. So yeah, he, but he was talking about you know how much his body was already changing. So it's just he just he had I don't want to say bad weight, but he was just misshapen. God yeah. put some stuff in the wrong place for that kid. <laughs> he's he's getting it, it now. He's getting it worked out though now uh, with uh, with Schmitty. Uh, Josh, I, I guess we kind of skipped this school, and it probably was the 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 most important stop of your spring tour. And uh, you went out there by yourself. I don't think I joined you out there, but we were able to see him at the team camp in uh, in Mustang, and that's none other than maybe the biggest surprise of the spring in uh, Midwest City's Jalen Redmond. Yeah, that was one, you know, and you guys know, I mean, I'm always talking to you about players, but he was one of the guys that I couldn't even wait to leave practice to start telling you guys, you, you're not going to believe this kid when you see him. You know, we were kind of direct messaging back and forth. And, and Redmond is a guy that, you know, I, we always talk about, oh, you know, he's young. He hadn't played a lot. This isn't a case of a guy that hasn't played much football. He literally has not put on a helmet since eighth grade. And... I walk out the first day, and there's this guy that I was expecting, again, kind of to see a basketball player-looking guy, and that's not what he is. I mean, he's got muscles. He looks good. I can imagine that he's anything other than like Charles Oakley on the basketball court. He's just beating the life out of everyone because I don't know how a you know a six-seven guy that weighs 190 deals with him at all. So, you know, that, that's, that's kind of interesting. And from what I gather, he is a good basketball player. He's not just a, a bully out there. But, you know, his athleticism that, that gets him on the basketball court shows up in football. You know, from the first snap, you could see that he had a first step. He's 6'4", 230, playing kind of a stand-up edge for Midwest City. But he, he has a frame that he could play a pure defensive end in a 4-3. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that we talk about. He's scheme-diverse. He can do a lot of different things. They can use him a lot of different things different ways and I don't think there's any question that's exactly what Midwest City plans to do so uh he he was good the day I saw him but when Eddie and I were at the Mustang team camp I mean you could tell it I mean this is just how raw he is in a week's time and a week's worth of work with his coaches he'd grown tremendously and from day one to day three you know I was talking to Eddie afterward and he was mentioning you could see a difference and how much better he'd become in just that short time it, it was really almost amazing to uh i guess not amazing i guess i'm being a little dramatic about that but uh it was really impressive to just see you know he made a couple plays on wednesday on that first day and you went back out there on thursday and you saw him make a couple more plays and then uh, on the last day when i was out there he they actually went up against southmore in uh, one of the team scrimmage portions and uh, you know we were able to see him go up against bray walker an oklahoma commit who we of course everybody knows is going to be a big time player in that 2018 class but for a guy that that really doesn't know what he's doing out there. He certainly seems to be around the ball quite a bit and find his way around uh, and, and make plays. And it was it was really impressive uh, to see. Josh, what what are teams missing with uh, Evan Fields? It's, he seems like a guy that is is on the verge of of breaking and getting uh, you know some of those daily offers that you see kids get. What what's gonna what's it gonna take for uh, schools to I guess be more interested in uh, Evan? Well, I think Evan needs to start putting some of what we saw this weekend in Mustang on tape. And now, obviously, that sounds kind of obvious because what he did in Mustang will show up on tape. It'll pop up on his huddle. And I think coaches having a chance to see that. His movement skills have improved through the year. When I watched his junior stuff, I saw a guy 
that I thought was probably going to have to become a linebacker. Now, the good news for Evan is he's a big-framed kid. I mean, he's 6'1", 195, and he can probably get to that 220 range without being a big problem. Now, that doesn't work in everybody's scheme, but he could play in you know, a 4-2-5, kind of that spur or a bandit or something like that. So you've got to kind of find where he works. But when I watched him uh, at the Metro team camp specifically, I saw a guy that I did think had grown, had kind of evolved and was becoming more of a pure safety. He kind of felt like a guy um, that maybe there's been so many comparisons to Will Sunderland because obviously Sunderland came out of Midwest City, was right before Evan took the job from him. Basically, they play the exact same position. So I think there was a lot of comparisons. And I really, in a development, uh, from a development standpoint, he reminds me of a guy that's basically a year behind Will Sunderland. I saw that same jump from Will from his sophomore to his junior year. And with Evan, you're seeing it more from his junior to senior year. And so I think that's – it's something where people are going to see him. And I, I, I think he's going to probably end up with around 20, 25 offers, which is probably about double of where he's at now. I want to say he's got about 13 or 14. And, you know, uh, recently I believe picked up his Kansas uh, – no, excuse me, his Arizona State offer – and so I think you'll see some more schools like that getting involved. I think he is right on the fringe of an OU guy. It wouldn't shock me if come October, November, if some things work out, uh, or I guess maybe don't work out for OU with some of their other targets, they could pursue him. But uh, definitely another high-level guy in the state of Oklahoma. And to your point on Fields, Josh, he's somebody uh, I saw last year against PC West. Um, and he's you know you have your eye out for him. You know he's there. Um, but he just there weren't a lot of plays where he showed up. You're kind of like wondering, okay, when when is he going to make an impact on this game? And so I kind of left with that opinion of him. Okay, here here's a guy with all these tools, but he's not going to make a, a play on the field like you need him to. And then Eddie and I saw him uh, a few months ago in Oklahoma City at a camp, and he was incredible in coverage. He had very fluid hips, could keep up with everybody in coverage. His size really is imposing. He makes you feel comfortable if you do have to move him down into the box, if he has to make a tackle. You start to think, okay, maybe here are the tools that we saw. Maybe we can see that start to develop his senior year. And he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if Missouri or Arkansas or somebody like that got involved late and uh, made a move on him. Absolutely. I mean, and and it's one of those things where people know these kids' names so early and they expect them to be finished products as sophomores. And that's not always the case. And I know there's plenty of guys that weren't as juniors. One of the best examples that I always remember is Jeremy Beal. People forget – that going into his senior year, Jeremy Beal wasn't that well known and then ended up having about 25 offers. Now, that was a slightly different era of recruiting, so that has some effect. You're an old but man. But he was really a guy <laughs> that emerged late because he had a huge senior year. Josh showing he's, he's, he's an old man. I remember back in the day when Jeremy Beal came out and didn't have any offers. Well, I got my dose of old recently. I don't know that we've even talked much about this on the board. Tink Collins' son is oh a prospect my. that Eddie and I have seen at Southmore. And well, R.W. Actually, McCorder's kid's a junior at yeah. Booker T this yeah. coming year. So I know, I know. And the, the saddest part, and I'll make this admission on the podcast, is I met Tink Collins and didn't ask him, hey, are you that Tink Collins? Because... I was thinking, surely this is going to come about. I'd have heard about this. I'd know about this. And he's like, yeah, I played football with Charles Thompson at OU. Obviously, Charles' son is also a player on Southmore's roster, Casey. But I I don't know who I thought, how, how many Tink Collinses I thought there were going to be in the greater Norman area. 
but I don't know why I couldn't just ask that question. See, so that's a- I've already determined that I am not going to feel old until a player's son is coming, is being recruited that you were involved with their recruitment when they're in high school. Like if AD has a kid and you're covering him, then yeah, then you you can officially say you're old. You guys sound very old. Just just wait for it. I'm sure. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm sure Lindy Holmes has a kid coming down the pipeline at some point. <laughs> he had enough of them. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that's a uh, Josh talking about sophomore. We haven't gotten into uh, their the the trip that we made for the spring tour uh when we went out there it was kind of a who's who day out there uh coach Sonny Cumbie from uh TCU was down there uh their defensive line coach Zarnell Fitch was down there uh I I think Oklahoma State was up there the day that we made our spring tour so we can kind of mash them up with uh, in one with uh, the spring tour and seeing them at the Metro team camp over at Mustang but uh you know just cutting up the uh the the position breakdowns that you sent me uh the you guys can uh check out on uh, on Sooner Scoop here in the next coming days. Uh, couldn't have been any more impressed with Casey Thompson. He's uh, really turning into the uh, to the guy that I think some people thought he would after he started a little bit as a freshman. But, uh, I mean, he picks up an OU offer. Uh, what did you see out of Casey Thompson and uh, the Southmore group that looks like they could be a team that – that maybe takes the uh, takes on the east side of the state here as uh, as they move into their junior year with that big 2018 class. Eddie, it's so funny to kind of have this conversation with you because I kind of keep rehashing things we were talking about. But you know, as soon as we saw Casey kind of walk out, my my immediate thought was, wow, he looks better. Like he looked not just that he you know got in the weight room and done those kind of things that you expect a guy to do. But I think he'd grown a little bit, even maybe since I'd seen him at the uh, Dallas Rivals camp. Now, you always wonder if that's because, you know, when they go to the Rivals camp, they were there with a bunch of good-looking big, you know, major athletes. But it's not like there's a shortage of them at Southmore. So, you know, it's kind of – I'm not sure if my perception is skewed or not. But Thompson is a guy that – I I have a feeling this is going to be maybe like a – historic kind of record-setting season for for that sophomore offense and what he's going to do in it. With his total yards and some of the things he can do, both with his feet and in the air, I, he could really challenge some records. With all they have with Javarius Owens and Quindon Lewis, uh, Raquan Wicks in the backfield, I mean, they have so many weapons. And that offense, I, it's hard to think of a, 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 an offense more built for a player, but that is so perfect for Casey Thompson. The way he runs, the way he runs. Uh, sorry to kind of repeat myself, but runs that offense. So um, with Thompson, I see a guy like I said that's gotten bigger. I, he, we saw him throw into what a probably a twenty-five mile an hour win that day. It was brutal, <laughs> and was he ridiculous. really spun it pretty well. I mean, you know, it, it could have you would have understood it if it wasn't pretty, and he looked good. So uh, you know, I think. Any questions about arm strength? And I'm starting to shed I, – I, th- I don't know if it's the burn of Kendall Thompson or what it was, but I was such a big Kendall Thompson guy, and I really bought in to him finding a way to be a success, and that just never kind of came about for a variety of reasons. But I feel like Casey's a very different player, and I'm starting to come around to that and really starting to kind of buy into what he can be. And – uh, again, he's a guy that I thought was always a great player, but maybe didn't check all the the physical boxes that you were looking for. 
now I don't know that that's there anymore. I mean, he's certainly not six foot five, but he's big enough to run any of these college spread offenses, and I think now has the arm strength to make a throw in just about any of them. Yeah, I was going to say, Josh, how would you compare him to what Oklahoma has on campus right now? How did I mean? How did he? He would be bigger than. Uh, I mean, he's easily bigger than Kyler Murray, and I think he'd be bigger than Baker Mayfield. And only guy on campus really that'd be any bigger is Austin Kendall. And I mean, he's he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, but he is faster than Baker Mayfield. So yeah, he's big enough and fast enough and quick enough, I think, to run this offense. It's pretty clear. Yeah, I I would say you know, and Austin's one of those guys that it almost seems like it depends on the day you see him or see him standing next to someone. Like I've seen videos of him standing next to people that I know how big they are. And I'm like, well, he looks okay. And then when I met him in California, I thought, well, he's six foot and a half, six foot one. He was, a, you know, maybe, maybe as tall as me, but it was very close. So he, he wasn't a guy that I thought was enormous. So I can't really tell uh, sometimes with Austin Kendall, but he's Casey's every bit as big. I think he is very similar in a lot of ways to Chris Robinson. I don't know if he quite has that same zip um, and some of maybe the same consistency that Robinson has. But again, Robinson's a year older, has played more football, and that, that, so some of that's just understandable. Um, but I, I think they're very comparable, and I think you know, if OU could find a way to get Casey in the fold, you're talking about you know, a really strong quarterback competition over the next four or five years. Quinton Lewis and uh, Javarius Owens, obviously, over at Southmore as well on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, I guess we'll kind of transition into uh, the the final stop of uh, of your uh, spring tour, Josh, up in uh, up in Tulsa that ended on uh, Friday uh, before the uh, Metro team camp. But uh, that was the day before big news came down that Oklahoma was going to uh, get another commitment to the uh, 2017 class and a, uh, a a pretty large addition in uh, Tulsa Memorial's Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, you know, and a guy that I. <laughs> I knew that I liked, and I mean, he's one of those guys that I don't, I don't probably um, get to uh, acknowledge just my greatness often enough sometimes, but Isaiah is a guy that I can say I literally never heard anyone talk about him, and I just stumbled onto Tulsa Memorial's huddle page and was like, this kid's 6'5", 210, let's see what he does, and his first 10 plays are just him running around people and making sacks and tackles for loss, and it was, you know, kind of those things you're like, this is obvious. This guy's special. And going to see him uh, again, you know, we kind of keep talking about these edge guys in Oklahoma. And I think Thomas is definitely going to play a defensive end in Oklahoma. I think that's where they see him. And I think he kind of knows um, that that's the idea they have for him. And I, the comparison I keep hearing is Geno Grissom, um, which I think is probably fairly, uh, fairly strong, you know, kind of as far as what maybe you can expect from him, what type of player he is. I, I think that's a pretty good one. Um, but with Thomas, he's a guy that's more well put together than I expected. I thought he was going to be this real long rangey guy and wouldn't really, um, uh, would be a guy that you'd say, okay, two years from now, maybe he's going to need a year to redshirt. There's no question about that. But if you told me that in, you know, as a redshirt freshman, he's in the rotation and he's helping Oklahoma, it wouldn't shock me at all. He has got plenty of burst. He's athletic. He's a guy that gets it. You can tell he takes to coaching very well. He likes to be physical, which is something that you don't always see from basketball players. And I, like I said, I, I think this is a really good get for Oklahoma. And I think when it's all said and done, um, and I've already mentioned it on Twitter, 
uh, Collinsville and Tulsa Memorial play this year. So I will be there when Isaiah Thomas, Levi Draper, and the Boomer brothers are all in the same field together. Not to mention a pretty promising young offensive lineman from, uh, from Tulsa Memorial will also be there. So I, I think there is a lot of um, potential with Isaiah Thomas. Everybody just has to be patient. And it won't shock me if he ends up as the number one guy in the state before it's all said and done. And one thing about those guys that have that size, you know, they're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, like uh, Isaiah Thomas is, is usually expect them to be a little lumbering. I think of guys that, I mean, he's not quite at that size, but guys like DJ Ward that are a little stiff, they need some work in their fluidity. And I really don't see that as the case with Isaiah. He is a guy who has great athleticism, which I guess you could tie to his basketball experience. And I love the way he uses his hands already at that age and how inexperienced he is, but he has great instincts with dealing in that kind of close-range combat that you have to deal with down in the trenches. And he really seems to fit in also with what Oklahoma has started to move towards with the size on their defensive line. I think I put in my breakdown of him the list of young guys that haven't even used a year of their eligibility, and it's guys like Neville Gallimore and Devontae Lampkin and Gabriel Campbell, Kenneth Mann, uh, Amani Bledsoe, who's not even on campus yet. There are some big guys that are coming into this uh, Oklahoma defensive line unit in the next few years. And I think uh, it's something that I kind of agree with. I, I think Oklahoma fans should be excited about. I think it's uh, the right move to the future, especially if you're going to stick with this three-man front. I you guess need guys that can cover space. I mean, you know, it's not just a deal where you don't want pluggers. I mean, you do want, obviously, a guy that can play run, but you're right, Joe. You need these guys – that can be multifaceted because they're going to have to be pass rushers in in long yarded situations. You can't just have your defensive line full of guys that can stop the run but can't create any pressure. So they're getting a lot of diverse guys, which says a lot when you consider that over the last three years you're talking about three different defensive line coaches. We've we've talked about the Metro team camp. We've talked about uh, the, the spring tour that uh, Josh and I went on. Uh, let's I guess get closer to. Uh, closer to the end here and uh, we just got done with the OU camp uh, summer camp they have their elite camp coming up on Wednesday uh, down in Norman but uh, Joe and myself and Carrie we were out there on uh, Saturday for the first day of the uh, the OU uh, actual just the high school camp and uh, a uh, returning uh, performer that I guess kind of made his first waves there uh I guess a year ago now was uh, Jordan Austin, the uh, little brother of Dakota Austin out of Lancaster High School. Joe, you had him number one for your uh, day one top performers. Uh, he's a uh, pretty good cornerback. Uh, yeah, I mean Jordan Austin. Uh, what couldn't he do that day? Uh, when you, th I mean, he's you think of Dakota Austin, his older brother. Um, you think of more, a, a smaller, scrappier kind of does whatever he can cornerback. And with Jordan, that is not the case. Jordan, it looks like your prototypical quarter, cornerback. He's over six feet tall. He's at least 175, 180 pounds, if not more. And so he can hold up against the run. He could play his own coverage if he needs to. But what was great to watch about Jordan was his hips. You watch his – oh, the Josh's buzzword now. Uh, we're going to talk about some hips. He can flip his hips very easily. He's so fast and fluid in his movements. There wasn't a receiver that really got open all day on him. And uh, one of my favorite moments of the camp was uh, – he hadn't had anybody beat him all day. Towards the end of camp, you have a receiver in a jump ball situation, kind of pluck one away just out of the reach of his fingertips. Clearly upsets Jordan that he let that one go. They blow the whistle in the camp, and he says, no, 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 I want to face that receiver again one more time. Gets him on. The receiver tries to do a spin move off the route. Jordan stays on him. The throw is in the exact same spot on the field, and Jordan comes down with a one-handed interception. And that says a lot to me about that mentality of playing cornerback and what he brings to the table also with his natural athletic skills. He's somebody that, I mean, he, he is a little rough around the edges. There are some things he needs to kind of tighten up. But at this stage in the game, I think you have to really, really like 
where he's at as a 2018 cornerback. He's longer than than Dakota is. Uh, he, he's he's a bigger guy. He's still not. I wouldn't say he, he still don't have ideal size there. Um, I, yeah, I thought the Steiner kid was a lot longer, uh, but I wouldn't say even though the kid was a Baylor commitment, it kind of. I was kind of okay. It's kind of, but you know what? I was kind of okay on on Tayon Sells when I saw him in high school too, and he's had a pretty good career there. So the 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 talent at the OU camp was definitely in the defensive backfield. I mean, when you look at uh, at Steiner, you looked at uh, Jordan, Jordan Austin. Uh, Jordan Roberts is a kid from Ardmore that I thought really had a nice afternoon when we saw him on uh, day one. Um, you know. I'd, I'd be surprised if he he doesn't end up with uh, with a nice little offer list. I don't know if he's going to garner you know a who's who list, but he's going to get some get some offers that, and get some attention. That kid is smooth, man. Jordan Roberts. Uh, whoever gets him on campus is going to be very happy that they have that athlete. I mean, he's he is a playmaker. There's not many guys that that can move the way he does and have the feet that he has. Maybe the most surprising guy that we saw all weekend was uh, William Brown. I know that we got a lot of video of him, uh, dual threat quarterback out of Rosenberg, Texas, yeah, Lamar. Impressive. Consolidated. I mean, I think before it's all said and done, he ends up at wide receiver. But uh, for for a guy that probably is a wide receiver, he throws a really really nice ball. Yeah, that's. I think that's something that might get him in trouble. Is he's actually a pretty good quarterback. He throws the ball just well enough where you think, okay, you put him at a place like Rice or somewhere like that, he can he can play quarterback. He can be a productive quarterback for somebody. But he he just sticks out, man. He, he actually. I mean, he threw the ball when I when I sat and watched him throw the ball. Uh, he threw it better than I thought he did. It's not, it's not, you know, like jump out of your hand. Um, wow, what a what an arm that kid has. But it also isn't. It, it's like a sneaky velocity he yeah, has on the yeah. ball. Like he throws it so effortlessly. But it's not like a, it's not like a Robert Griffin type or you know release. It's not. Uh, it's not. He's nothing really flinging it or anything. He's just. He's just a. He's a natural throwing guy. I was pretty impressed. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays baseball. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me yeah. either. He kind of has that Although, ear throw. Mason Rudolph has killed all my what I knew about baseball players and football players. What? Well, here's the thing with William Brown: a he's quarterback that can't throw a baseball. Oh, that, that's true. He, that oh. that first pitch was awful. I, it, it's mind-boggling to me. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I can't for, I can't remember. I cannot forget. Sorry, that was ahead. bad. Uh, I was just going to say that the thing with William Brown is you start to kind of buy into him playing quarterback because he throws it so well. And then, you know, Eddie and I are sitting there watching him kind of mess around going through drills and he's just making one handed catches. Yeah. No big deal. You know, throws four feet over his head, just kind of plucking him with one hand. And you start to think, good Lord, this guy, you just have to find a way to get him on the field, make him making plays because he's an impressive looking kid and an impressive athlete. And, uh, from the sounds of it is, uh, his recruiting might pick up a little bit here soon. And, uh, I know he said that he, Houston and SMU and Baylor and Oklahoma State went to a satellite camp for them. So uh, William Brown is somebody that I would not be shocked to see teams just get involved with and say, hey, wherever he lands, he lands. We'll figure it out because he is an impressive looking He just kid. needs to keep showing up everywhere with a, a mid-drift, with a, with a half shirt. That, that's going to be the new thing. I, now mean, that, I saw uh, him standing in line. That, I was like, that kid's a defensive end. I guarantee it. He's wearing 97, <laughs> and you're like, he just looks like a defensive end. And then, and then you guys – and I saw, I was like, he starts running towards the receivers. And I was like, he's a receiver? And then somebody, one of you came over and you're like, no, he's a quarterback. He's slinging the rock over there. And I figured we'd go over there Steve and Spurger see. Steve Spurrier Jr. We'd, we'd go over there and see some guy throwing it like, 
don't know, like your mom throws you your keys or something. I mean, like you're just going everywhere and just being horrible and going, dude, get a real position. But he was good. He was good. I think the one the one of the interesting things at the uh, OU camp is always the uh, the the final day or or sometimes it's in the afternoon of the first session is. Uh, when the when the quarterbacks coach takes a guy by himself on the separate field and has like a personal instruction, and we saw that on Sunday morning with uh, Clayton Toon, a guy that we literally Joe and I spent the entire morning. Who the hell is that guy? He doesn't throw that bad of a football, uh, and it ended up being 2018 Louisville, Texas Hebron uh, pro style quarterback Clayton Toon, and uh, we put up some highlights of him. Uh, Joe, you did a write up on him after the camp uh, was over, and uh, you actually were able to talk to his brother. And uh, a, certainly an interesting addition to the uh, 2018 OU uh, quarterback landscape, if that were the uh, direction they were to go. Yeah, it's like you said, Eddie, we, it, you're at these camps and it's a massive humanity. There are hundreds and hundreds of kids there. And, you know, they're split up among those intramural fields at OU. If you've gone to OU, you know what we're talking about out there. And so it's just a, a sea of humanity, all these kids. But then all of a sudden off to the side, you see this one empty field with a coach and one quarterback and a, a handful of receivers. And they're just running route after route after route with the same quarterback. And so you start to think, OK, well, who the heck is this guy? Why is he so special? And you go watch him throw. And it becomes pretty apparent after a few throws in that, I mean, every single throw, same sort of same throw, same foot, same feet, same arm, same release point. Everything is very consistent. And every throw it's a nice tight spiral right on point. You're thinking, okay, now I'm figuring out why this guy's been pulled to the side. Although no one knew who he was. He kind of came out of nowhere. And eventually, like Eddie said, got to talk to his brother, realized this is Clayton Toon, and that he's kind of snuck up on some people, although maybe he shouldn't have because he's been to Texas, he's been to Texas A&M, he's been to TCU, and he's been to Oklahoma State, now he's been to OU, and he's kind of making his way around the circuits. And Eddie and I kind of pointed out that this didn't look like he didn't just show up and Lincoln Riley said, oh, look at this kid. Let me pull him aside. Yeah. This was something that was had been in the works, right, Eddie? I mean, this was something that they clearly were were wanting to look at Clayton Toon. Yeah, it very much felt like that because you just don't show up on uh, – you don't, you don't leave Carrollton and drive up and say, I'm going to just hang out at the OU camp and then get some one-on-one time with uh, Lincoln Riley. It was interesting, though, uh, to, uh, to say the least. So that was – I mean, the OU camp – I'm really interested to see who shows up tomorrow for the elite camp on Wednesday. Uh, it's always kind of a uh, an interesting time. I think last year was the first year that they did the elite camp, and it was really the first time. I think, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of the first time that we actually saw Justin Broyles able to compete against some kids uh, at that at that elite camp. And uh, I think it was the first time I saw Logan Robertson uh, for the first time. So it's, uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see who shows up. I think the biggest story out of the OU camp, though, was uh, – and we'll uh, we'll hit on this and then kind of wrap this one up is uh, the uh, visit of or unofficial visit of uh, the nation's number one prospect in uh, Marvin Wilson. Yeah, you know, and, and you're right, though, Eddie, that was the first time we really watched Justin Broyles was last year at that camp. And I think everyone kind of came away thinking he's better than we thought he was. You know, we I, I don't know that everyone first saw all the offers that would eventually come his way. But it was clearly a, this isn't a case of a kid just getting some hype. He's a good player. But yeah, to move to the you know the story that everybody wants to talk about, and that's Marvin Wilson's visit. Uh, I've talked to Marvin a little bit since um, since he left, and it sounds like things went really really well from everything I can gather. Talking to um, some of the people around him, some of the people that were kind of involved in the trip, it sounds like Oklahoma kind of hit all the right notes, and I think. 
the thing I was really interested in was his mom came up. And I think with a kid like him, that was always going to be a big piece of it. And I think Oklahoma did a very good job, as, as they usually do. The moms is a battle Oklahoma usually does pretty well with. And I think Calvin Thibodeau and Stoops and everybody else involved really did a nice job making sure she felt welcome, got all her questions answered. And I think there is a very good chance that he comes back and visits again this summer. Now, I haven't, I don't think he set out a date. I don't think I know whether it'll be, you know, later this month or into two a days or when that might be, but it won't shock me at all if he comes back. And he's already mentioned uh, coming to the Ohio State game as well. So I think that's a big, uh, if you can get Marvin Wilson on campus two more times, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma's on a very short list that's going to host him three times in a matter of four months. I mean, that, that that's just not going to – I guess about more like five. But, you know, you guys know what I mean. That's just such a big deal. And then you throw in that it seems like he and fellow visitor Caleb Von Shashan, the um, Rivals 250, probably an outside linebacker target for OU uh, from Galena Park North Shore – They've kind of decided they may want to play together. And it sounds, you know, when you kind of look at their short list, really it looks like it's OU or LSU for them if that's the way that goes. Because Shashan seems big on LSU, Houston, and OU, while Marvin kind of has LSU and OU and USC. And U- I mean, Marvin has a bigger list. It seems like Kayla Vaughn's a little more narrowed down. But if they want to play together, OU is going to be one of their primary options. If you start putting together. Uh, this 17 class that goes really strong. And I know Justin Broyles is working Marvin Wilson all the time. So you you could see something come together there. I don't think Marvin Wilson, Wilson is out of the realm of possibility at all. And I think Oklahoma really did a good job in improving their chances uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it sounds as if that Oklahoma has at least got a seat at the table now uh, going down the stretch. You know, you, who knows what's going to happen here, but from the looks of things, that you know, pull up a chair, Bob Stoops, here we go, number one player in the country. I think it, uh, it's going to be a race. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap this one up, and uh, we've got another uh, podcast. That we're going we're gonna to have two separate podcasts. We're going to have a podcast, uh, this one, and then we're going to have one previewing the five-star challenge coming up this week uh, in Atlanta. But, guys, just before we get out of here, any, anything else that you wanted to hit on about uh, tours, camps, visits uh, that, that have happened lately? I'd, I'd just close with saying anybody that – I think Josh and I, have we talked about this a lot during our uh, spring tour, but uh, anybody that likes Oklahoma high school football should be really, really excited for the next couple years in state. It's a, uh, it's a loaded class when you get to uh, 2018 and 2019, starting to look like it's going to be extremely good in 2017 the kids that are going to be seniors this year uh you you talk about your justin Broyles, your trey brown your adrian wolfords creed humphrey uh isaiah thomas those types of kids it's a very very talented uh class and uh and i think a very talented group of players right now in the state of oklahoma and i think that a lot of people are uh or should be excited about what they have uh, coming to them on friday nights yeah and just to piggyback off of that eddie I, I'll, I'll just say that uh um just a bit of basketball recruiting news real quick. Five-star Trey Young. Uh, I've heard from multiple sources that he will announce this week where he's going to play for his senior high school season. I know they're doing that now, which is kind of weird for <laughs> someone who's probably old school. But the, the idea was it might be a prep school, a national prep school, or if he's going to stay at Norman North. Obviously, OU would like him to stay at Norman North, somewhere a few miles away from campus where he's visited you know, dozens of times because of how close he is. And I'm hearing that that's what it sounds like is going to happen now. That No one's quite sure, but it sounds like that he will be staying at Norman North and contributing to 
the wealth of talent in the state on the on the hardwood on the hardwood this year. So that's obviously good news. I mean, we we saw him multiple times over at practice and stuff when we were over there mm-hmm. uh, at the end of uh, OU's basketball season. So yeah, that's that's good news for uh, Long Kruger and company. All right, Josh. Anything uh, that you want to throw out there before we get out of this one? Uh, probably just to mention one guy that I feel like we we overlooked and is a guy that I love. Uh, it's Demarion Houston from uh, Millwood, a guy that another 2019 guy that again Millwood's been kind of quiet for a while, but I had a chance to go by there this spring, and I think that's about to change in a big way. They've got a, they've got several guys that people need to see. So uh, again, I mean, just to kind of piggyback on Eddie. There is so much talent around the state in 2018 and 2019, uh, really from border to border and really in all levels of classifications. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. Uh, we will have this one now posted up on iTunes, on Google Play, uh, Stitcher. Tune in uh, with more to come. But you know, just subscribe to us on iTunes if you've got the iOS. If you're an idiot like Josh and Joe and you have Androids, yeah, yeah. then you can go to the Google Play Store and uh, subscribe there. So I want you guys to be able to access it as many ways as possible. So we'll continue to find ways. SoundCloud, if you have the SoundCloud app, uh, you can also uh, listen to us that way as well. But thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to uh, Josh McQuistian, to Eddie Radosevich, for thanks to Joe Duvall, for all these guys. I'm Kerry Murdoch on the Unofficial 40. We'll see you next time.